1: Each episode, we answer one personal financial question in a clear and understandable way. Because money is a tool. And when you understand the language of money, you can make better decisions to improve your financial life.
0: Hey, James. Hey, Scott. Welcome to another week.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Here we are. And we have so many listener questions over the last couple of weeks since yeah. we've been together.
1: It's been a few weeks since we last recorded.
0: Yeah. Thank you. I won't be any good at it anymore.
1: I hope we are. Let's
0: go. Um, Thank you so much for the questions. We really appreciate them. And please keep them coming Um, through your questions. um, Everyone learns. And and as we are marching toward having everyone in America being financially literate, Mm -hmm. we need your questions. So please keep them coming. And, And if you like what you're hearing, please take a second to leave a review for us so that other people can learn about us as well. We are not doing this podcast to make money. We're doing it to help people lots of people yeah
1: can we with that, help people with today
0: let's help dan okay hey dan who has a question um okay so the here's the the message uh, in is my wife and i have two homes one is our primary and the other is weekend getaway home we have two mortgages uh a mortgage on each they're each 30 year fixed rates below 3% our total monthly mortgage payment For both homes is fifteen and a half percent of our gross income. Does it make sense to take our extra cash and pay down the mortgages, or use the cash where it could earn more, such as investments?
1: Mm Hmm. Awesome. Yeah, I like that question, and it's um. Well, to it depends. Yeah. Well, we'll start. But there's a, there's there's a, there's lot, a lot of, of angles to look at it from. And we'll explore some yes. of those angles to see what makes most sense for Dan and his wife. Mm-hmm. Um, with that, what would be the first thing that you would look at? How do you kind of first answer this question to Dan of what makes most sense? What, what angle would you come from?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a few questions that can help Dan and his wife frame this for themselves. Um, the first thing that came to mind for me was what types of income do they have and how stable are those incomes yeah and do they want to keep those incomes on a continuing basis while they're paying down these mortgages
1: yeah it, i exactly said a lot
0: there does that make sense
1: it does because we <laughs> talked before the episode about what we're going to talk about so yeah. maybe break it down a little more so what like
0: you yeah. mean well like are are we both are are both are, are dan and his wife both working do they both make the exact same amount of money? So if, if like, cause I just think of it as like, you know, um, if, if this was you and you and Ashlyn for a second and you're both working and you're both making the same amount of money and you're both happy and content in life. And then, you know, shortly thereafter you go, you know, we really, we really want, we really want to keep both these homes, but we don't want to, we both don't want to work. Yeah. Well, then that 15 and a half percent of gross income goes up to 31% of gross income.
1: If one of us loses a job or stays home or something Yeah, or just happens.
0: choose big change in life. And so then all of a sudden that's a big liability. It could be a bigger liability payment relative to your life. There's a bigger adjustment that needs to happen there. So I think that's one consideration.
1: Yeah, I fully agree. I, I would also like to look at Fifteen and a half percent is a very healthy number. It strikes me as I've
0: honest. I, I was like, wow, that's I'm I'm not worried for you <laughs> off the, on the back of a napkin, not knowing not knowing this couple. I'm like, that's a a great position to be in.
1: Yeah, it's a very healthy number to have two mortgages on at fifteen and a half percent. One thing I would look at, and again, I'm not worried about this for Dan because this looks like a low enough number. But I sometimes like to see what's the net percentage, like the what's the percentage of net take-home pay, mm. because say your gross pay is pretty high but you're maxing out a couple 401k's you've got a bunch of benefits you're paying for through work you're deferring money other places there's taxes and by the time you look at that percentage as a per- percent of your net or your take home income it could be a lot higher it will almost definitely be a lot higher definitely sure, it could yeah. be lower so making sure and again for Dan I'm guessing this is no problem but is there is there anything that you're not able to do because of the pressure that those mortgages are putting on your income mhm if the income was lower for Dan or if the percentage of his gross income was higher, that might be the case. But yeah, I think you're looking at, are we sacrificing anything today in order to pay for both of these mortgages? Or can we comfortably do everything we want to do today and still pay both of these mortgages? There's going to be different feedback I would give depending on the outcome of that question.
0: Yeah, that's a good frame
1: to look at that through. Absolutely. But then I also like where you took it of Just because today it's that percent doesn't mean it's going to stay that way. Mm -hmm. Life changes. Mm -hmm. Incomes change. Jobs change. Mm -hmm. Desires change. And maybe one of those desires is to stay home or to, to scale back on work or to make less. So would you be able to maintain them if income changed? And if the answer is absolutely not, well, you might want to have that conversation of how do we put a plan in place for these mortgages, either paying them off or doing something else. Versus, if you said no, we can we anticipate this will stay the same, and we can comfortably afford it. You might lean towards not necessarily paying it down.
0: Yeah, I mean, the, the other thing that hits me as you as you're explaining that is I, I always jump to you know financial planning when it's done well with investment management and and a balance sheet matters. So so there the homes here would matter as well. Is all looking at what do, what are the things you want to be doing in the near term, the midterm, and the long term? And so if one of those things was we want to go spin up a business or we want to go go back and retrain ourselves for a new career or something like that. Well, then there's going to be a period of time where this, we have to plan for these payments to occur when income goes down. And so that's just knowing, knowing what you really want will help solve the answer of what you should be doing specifically.
1: Yeah. But I think that's a healthy place to start is looking at your income, really your ability to meet the obligations of the mortgage, both today and in the future and factoring any potential changes that may come up like, you're mentioning Scott.
0: Yeah. I think the, from there, if we want to start shifting the front frame a little bit to where I think, um, the Dan's trying to take it was, well, should we, should we just go knock this down or should, is, should I put, try to put it to work somewhere else that could earn more. The first thing to figure out is what your actual cost of borrowing is. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And so, um, Dan a- alluded to the, both the mortgages being at about 3%, but why don't we just unpack a little bit? um, how those int- how the, the the rate he's paying might be different than let's just use 3% for the number.
1: Yeah, so a lot of people, the first place they go is, should I pay off my mortgage or should I invest? They look at this and say, oh, well, if you can invest and after tax earn more than 3% per year on average, you're better off than paying down the mortgage. But it's actually slightly different because that 3%, I'm assuming, and this may not be the case, but if, if Dan and his wife are itemizing their deductions... That mortgage interest that they're paying is a write-off on their taxes. At least
0: on the primary. Yeah. At
1: least on the primary. And then on the yeah. rental property, it's going to be on a different schedule, but it's, it's going to reduce some of the taxable income they're paying there too. Um, so looking at that, assume Dan's mortgage is $500,000. 3% on that is $15,000, meaning Dan and his wife are paying $15,000 in interest to carry that mortgage but if they are itemizing their taxes that $15,000 is something that they can write off against their income so if we assume dan is in the highest income tax bracket just yeah. for example's sake that's 37% at the federal level before factoring in any potential state taxes so the what we look at there is that $15,000, once we back out the tax write-off impact or what he's able to write off on taxes, it's really the equivalent of about $9,450 he's paying in interest, not the 15000 he's paying in interest once right. you factor in the tax savings, which reduces the effective interest rate to about one89 percent
0: Yeah. So a couple things there. We're taking a little bit of latitude here and how we're simplifying this because- Mortgages have an amortization schedule where you're paying 3% interest in monthly amounts over the course of time. So we're yeah. just making a simple anal- simple number that you're, you have a half million dollars making it interest only at 3% for that year and then comparing it to a tax write-off. But what you can see is the, the reason we bring it up is you're not really paying three percent; you're paying a lower rate, probably somewhere between one point nine and two percent on yeah. that money if you get to use the tax advantages that exist in the system. Yeah. So it lowers the barrier that you need to be hitting on an investment to make the investment more worthwhile relative to just paying down the mortgage.
1: Yeah, and, and on top of that, and the same, the higher the tax bracket you're in, the lower the the actual interest rate, the real interest rate that you're paying when you factor in the tax benefits. And I would say, say, for example, maybe Dan or his wife have a 401k or an HSA or something like that that they're not fully taken advantage of. And of course, I'm just making a kind of an example here. Totally. If they were to redirect the money to those accounts instead, now what's happening is not only do they have to get a greater than 1.89% interest rate on that, but the tax savings on that is kind of adding to the potential return they Mm -hmm. would get on those investments. So the higher the tax bracket they're in, not always, but in general, the more it could potentially make sense to look to invest. Obviously, there's other factors involved as well that we'll talk about versus paying down the mortgage because that interest rate gets less and less expensive if you're in a high tax bracket and if you're itemizing your deductions.
0: Yeah, and so just to kind of round out cost of borrowing, it could just be that the cost of borrowing is the actual cost of the mortgage. But go and take a look because if you're itemizing deductions, which is probably for higher income earners who have higher mortgage balances, mm-hmm. you're probably hitting, um, going above what are the standard thresholds. Now, the standard threshold, I'm not going to give the exact numbers, but it's around 12500 for an individual and $24,500-ish um, or- for a family. That's automatically coming out of your taxes. And then you go run these and these uh, things like mortgage deduction and property taxes and a few other things to see, did you have more than that number? And if you did, you itemize your deductions. That's what we're talking about there. Yeah. That's what lowered that in this, in this scenario. Yeah. Um, but know what that cost is because then when you know what that cost is, then you can go look at, well, one, what can we do with the, the, other, uh, the other cash? But I think why don't we start with, with just the big question of what would you do with the excess instead? Yeah. You know, so, so if you have extra cash and you can choose to go put it toward a mortgage or do something else with it, what what would you choose to do with it?
1: So yeah, and that's that's kind of where the practical side of this comes in and the theoretical side. I don't want to call it theoretical. but We talk about, well, where could you get a better return on investment? But practically speaking, if you don't pay down the mortgage or invest, like that that doesn't really matter. So I think part of it is you ask yourself, like Scott's saying, what do you do with it? Is, is this money that just gets spent if you're not paying down the mortgage and don't actually go invest it? Well, if that's the case, you're having more fun, but the better investment would have been to pay out the mortgage, even for as little as you're actually saving in interest because you didn't actually go and invest the, the difference instead. So understanding that of, is this money that would go to savings where you're definitely going to be losing out on paper because you could have paid down a mortgage at 3% or you're saving at 0.1%. Now there's a trade-off there. There's liquidity which we don't want to ignore. That's kind of giving you extra funds that you could access, but yeah. asking the, the the real question of what would actually happen if I stopped paying down extra on the mortgage Yeah, is a good starting point with that. I think uh, to go back to your idea of
0: like mindfully knowing what am I going to do with this money? Am I going to use it to pay down the mortgage? Am I going to go invest it somewhere? Or we said spend it. I think oftentimes we almost shame ourselves with the idea of spending. But, but you as, as this family, maybe it's, there's this one vacation they've been meaning to take with their family to have the experience. And this is the funds they used to do that. And it takes them a little longer to pay down the mortgage and they're still totally fine. Well then great, but just know what the money's going for and why and make sure it's going for something that you're mindfully putting it towards. Yeah. Not just push, you know, letting it go into ether by walking into target and spending 600 bucks instead of 60 bucks. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yes. I agree with that. Um, the, the liquidity piece I'll, I would go back to as well of one, one of these homes you mentioned is a weekend or a getaway home. What does that look like in the future? Like, do you, do you see yourself ever selling that or maybe selling that and getting a new property? Or is there any big transaction coming up? Sometimes saving to cash, which seems like the worst example of if I could put the money in cash, I could pay down the mortgage or I can invest it. Some people would say, well, definitely don't save it. There's, there's no growth happening there. There's not growth, but it is giving you that flexibility to, if you need to, if you're buying a different home, maybe you want some funds for a down payment or for moving costs or for something, uh, that's valuable. Or if there's a change or transition happening with work or with family or something, the, the, the liquidity that cash provides can be very valuable because whether you invest it or put it into paying down the mortgage, those funds aren't necessarily liquid. If you pay on the mortgage, it's not like you can just pull that money back out without getting a HELOC of some sort. And if you invest it, yes, it is liquid if it's in a non-retirement account, but you don't know what the market's doing. And if it happens to be down, then you're kind of not in a spot where you want to be touching that money. So all these options, in addition to spending, like you mentioned, they have their place and could all be part of a good plan. It's just understanding- what is the best use for those funds? Yeah, I think I was just tying to what you're saying a little bit there. You're kind of saying like, hey, the the,
0: the safest place you could put it's cash, but putting it in cash on, on a financial, for looking at it from a financial lens on paper doesn't make sense because you could literally go pay this down and pay this off
1: versus losing to inflation on just keeping your cash as cash.
0: You could obviously choose to go invest
1: it. Unless in- you want an liquidity I would say, is the yeah, trade-off yeah. Off for that. Yeah. Doesn't make financial sense for investment purpose, but right. it gives you accessibility, which you yeah. have a need for it sometimes.
0: And you could choose to go invest it as well. But when you go invest it, you just have to realize the risk and return that you're taking. We've talked about that before. Um, and then there's obviously ways, you, like if, if you if you invest 60% stocks and 40% bonds, you'd have a good amount of funds that are relatively stable, but they're not as stable as cash. Yeah. So you just always have to understand what are you doing and why. And that's why the beginning of our answer comes back to, it depends yeah. Yeah. <laughs> on what, on what uh, Dan and his wife want to do. But, uh, you know, there, there's a, certainly a case to be made for paying this off if they don't want to. The other, And I think that's the other thing we need to bring up, which is another point that we would made earlier, which is just simply how do they feel about debt? Yep. Right. So if, if you if you just loathe debt and you don't want to deal with it, um, well, that could make there could be a reason to get rid of it. Now, it kind of points the other side of that coin is what James pointed out before ask real estate's lovely to own and own outright, but it's not liquid. You can't use it to go buy groceries. Mm-hmm. So you have to make sure you're, you're going to have enough liquidity to be okay, even though you own your home.
1: Yeah. 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 It's, it's um, the, 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 the feelings around this or the predispositions towards this, some people just love having no debt. And if that's you, and if you've done your retirement savings and you've, and I saved to college, and you've saved to the things that are important to you, and you're squared away everywhere else. Great. P- pay off the mortgage, even if it doesn't seem like the best thing financially, if that's how you're hardwired. Mm-hmm. Other people, it's like, hey, I, I couldn't care less. As long as I have income to pay for those mortgages and I've got a good emergency fund in case something goes south, I just want the best use in terms of the return on my investment I'm going to get. And they feel fine with those mortgages and would feel better having their money work as hard for them as it could. Well, great. Maintain the mortgage and go invest that money instead. So I think aligning this, not just with what financially makes sense, but with what personally and even emotionally makes sense is the the last angle that we'd want to look at it from.
0: Yeah. And, and then the only other thing I'd bring up as, a, as an aside, we've talked about this in the past, you know, years ago now, uh, but good debt versus bad debt. Yep. You know, this type of mortgage debt that they're carrying is levering an asset that will either appreciate or be flat for a long period of time. It's allowing them to live in at the primary residence specifically. The, house of, uh, the second home as a vacation home is either a luxury that's fun for them, or it's a rental property that's going to earn something for them. And you can give kind of two litmus tests for that to see whether or not that's working well for you. But in the end, both of these, we would probably label as good debts. I think we would both agree there.
1: Yeah, if you have debt on an, on an asset that's appreciating or it's debt that's allowing you to get more out of an asset, even if that asset is you, you know, talking about college debt or whatever it is. Yeah, in general, it's not like you're taking on debt for uh, something that's declining in value or is just a, an expense that is here one day and gone the next. So, yeah, yeah I, I I would not look at this in any way and say, hey, that's a red flag. You should really think about getting rid of that as soon as possible.
0: No. No, but looking at the the cost of the borrowing of the debt, understanding what it is, and then for the, for the second, the getaway home too, are they carrying it as like a schedule E rental where they're only up there for a certain period of time and now that mortgage interest is getting written off too, that could again lower the cost of that debt yep. or is that not the case and it has a higher value and they really just want to pay it down? The answer lies in the plan they have as a family from the things they want to be doing in the coming years.
1: Yeah. Awesome.
0: Um, anything else here? No, but it's funny because, like, we <laughs> for such a short question, there's so much to unpack. I was there. just thinking you know that Dan's probably is. like, guys,
1: just, geez, chill. I just wanted an answer. <laughs> right, But I'm excited no, but- to.
0: F- I, I hope. I hope uh, we 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 get to. You know, you, I hope this is a helpful as a framework. You know, there's no there's no specific answer here, but I hope it's as helpful as a framework for. For Dan and his wife to figure out what they want
1: to do. Well, exactly. Because I think if Dan came to us personally, we would ask some other questions to get a sense for what is the most important one of these factors, whether it's the income or the return side, or what what would you do with the excess or how do you feel about it? And then give a very direct answer based on that. But to make this question apply to everyone who's listening, we want to make sure we're exploring it from other angles of people who are unlike Dan or unlike you and me and how they look at it. So, yeah,
0: I mean, that's to me, that's the coolest thing about, this work that we get to do though, is that the answer is going to lie in the life that, you know, you and Ashley want to build versus the life that Amanda and I want to build, even though we're both in the same field, in the same town, doing basically the same thing. Mm -hmm. And that's what happens for our questions and our listeners, which is why we love this work. So thanks for the question, Dan.
1: Yes. Thank you, Dan. And unless you have anything else, I think that's it. That's it. Cool. See you next week. See y'all next time. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Real Personal Finance Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe and let us know by leaving a five-star review. And if you have a question that you'd like for us to answer, then head over to the Real Personal Finance website at realpersonalfinance.co. And there's a section on the bottom of each page there where you can submit your question for us to answer in a future episode. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and should not be relied upon for a basis for investment decision. This podcast is not engaged in rendering legal, financial, or other professional services.